Hi, Vicky. Hi, Shane. Have you ever had a job where you、mm-hmm. feel like you're making the world a better place? Yeah. I mean, I've always, almost always, have worked for nonprofits. Okay. So I really like that. Actually, right now, I feel like whenever I get to interact or do anything to sort of、uh, amplify the voices of our student members,、um, student scientists, I really feel like I'm doing something good. It's my、yeah. favorite thing. What about you? Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, I, I, kind of the same, right?、Yeah. Uh, I, I left the research side of science, not because I didn't think I was doing anything, but I wanted to have、mm-hmm. kind of that more direct impact, not to be hokey.、Uh, and what I really, what kind of drew me to AGU and the job before, which I also do now, but like before the podcast was around, was、mm-hmm. we're helping scientists communicate more effectively.、Right. And especially with scientists who do、uh, like, It's important to ha- really have all scientists have the ability to communicate more effectively to any audience.、Mm-hmm. Uh, HU works with a lot of scientists who have really direct impacts, whether that's、uh, climate change or natural hazards or working in communities and all sorts of things. So、mm-hmm. I do like kind of seeing that, like the fruits of Lowe's labors,、uh, helping those folks、mm-hmm. get out there and communicate the good work they do. Yay. That is really yeah, good. Yeah, look、work. at us. Yeah. <laughs> Go us. Yay. <laughs> Science is fascinating, but don't just take my word for it. Join us as we hear stories from scientists for everyone. I'm Shane Hanlon. And I'm Vicki Thompson. And this is Third Pod from the Sun. All right, so today is day three of our special series coming from our annual meeting. And the theme of today is environmental justice. Oh, that's a really important one. This is great. Yeah, yeah. Very,、uh, very excited for this one. And we have someone today who works in local communities here in Chicago and thinks about environmental justice and just about everything they do. Oh, good. Okay. I'm excited about this one. Let's hear it. I'm Amaris Alanis Ibero. I'm the center director of North Park Village Nature Center of Chicago Park District. I work with citywide, so I do work with citywide, but I also have like a micro fo- focus in the neighborhood called Albany Park. It is the most diverse neighborhood actually of Chicago and the third most diverse in the nation. I mean, it's big to me, but we're <laughs> in Chicago, right? And so for an urban nature center, 46 acres, I think is incredible.、Yeah. We have a prairie, we have a wetland, we have a woodland. And I mentioned the oak savanna, which is really a neat ecosystem. And for visitors, it's about a mile and a half main loop walk. So you can do it all in one day. You get that feeling of being away from the city, but also feeling safe in nature. And you don't have to drive away to get out and be in nature. And so I think that that lends itself for us to do better and deeper work with the community being right in Chicago. I think a lot of people, a lot of organizational missions that are environmental, we all say it's our role to connect people with nature. I, it just, it doesn't, doesn't stop there. I mean, and what does that actually mean? People、right. connect with nature in many different ways. And then I also think it's important for us to be doing science collaboratively with the community. So we do get visitors that come just for a walk. 
respite, health reasons. It's just really good way for people to just be able to get away from the, the city uh, busyness. But we also collaborate on various community science projects. We do some wildlife monitoring. We are doing some restoration work. We engage with volunteers in the community to do some of that work. And so I think we, we, we do a lot of things to make it more comprehensive so that what we're doing at our nature center is also impacting the local community and hopefully you know, the environment at large. How did you get started doing this? What, what sort of brought you into this space? I knew I liked science as I was a young one who was curious. I explored Chicago's nature. We have an amazing lakefront with amazing parks. And my parents are from Michoacan, Mexico. It's a central part of Mexico. We would visit maybe every third summer or so. And I enjoyed both of those landscapes, you know, both urban nature and nature in Mexico. And I thought I was going to be pre-med and studied, you know, sciences. And when I graduated, I graduated in a, a degree, ecology, ethology, evolution. And what came to mind was just the idea of working in public places where people were visiting, like zoos, museums. I mean, that was just what came to my mind. And my experience has been in 15 years of working in informal science centers, so museums, botanic gardens, and parks. And currently, I've been the center director at a North Park Village Nature Center for five years. I knew I was a geek, a science geek, <laughs> But I also had a particular keen awareness of the different issues. So I remember in high school, for example, thinking about why does that community get to live next to the river and some don't? And is that okay for the river? And so I was already questioning both like the environment and people choices or abilities or privileges. I just didn't have that language. And so when I was able to major in the sciences, I also felt isolated as a Latina from Chicago. Not many people of color were in those majors and classes, and not many people finished with a degree. Moving into the public institution world, I, you know, I just, it just kind of, it's just starking to me how, you know, we're, we're public institutions. Our job is to engage the public in science. And we still have an issue of diversity. You know, we're still working deeply on equity, our country's healing. And so from the get-go, I think I just had that lens and brought it to my work. And I bring that to the Nature Center as well, just really rethinking what is the role of a nature center? What is the role of public parks and green space? And my work is a lot about places and, and people. And, you know, it's both protecting people and the environment at the same time in a holistic way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you were talking about access and how, you know, it, it's true. Wealthier, wider communities tend to have access to very beautiful places and parks or they have backyards and like nature's something that they can get to very easily, but other communities don't, ha- haven't traditionally had that, or at least in, you know, since the industrial era. Do you see things changing as you're working in this, this community and in this green space? 
I do. I do. I do think that there's a couple of things that are changing. I think as we're realizing, you know, the importance of, of, of nature for health, I think our generations and culturally, our ancestors knew that. And I think now that we've realized we've made some decisions as a society that we have to be more in balance and connect with nature, we're making some changes. And so in Chicago Park District, for example, I look at my colleagues in the southeast side, they are taking these industrial corridors, these places, and really restoring that land. There's some bioremediation, but working alongside with the community as they, di- as they do that. The southeast side of Chicago is one of the birthplaces of environmental justice in Chicago. And so I, I do think that we are making some strides. The other thing that I think about is it's, it's more than just access to nature. I think it's also important to center that the community has knowledge about nature. They, they are connected with nature. It just might look different. I do a lot of work around either cultural symbolism or ways that people connect ancestrally or intergenerationally with nature. So to give you an example, at North Park Village Nature Center, we worked with monarch butterfly conservation. It's a very beautiful species, iconic. Everyone loves the monarch butterfly. But I also talk about it in a cultural way. I have to. My parents are from Michoacan, where the monarch butterfly migrates to. And so I feel like sometimes we think about it in a way of, you know, scientists came to the mountaintops of Mexico and discovered where the monarch migrates. And if I asked my parents and their parents and, you know, their aunts and, you know, everyone, everyone knows the story of the monarch butterfly. It, it really is something that the, that the culture and community has carried that science story. And they connected with the harvest. They connected with the weather and the climate. When the monarchs are migrating, is it a good year? Is it a bad year? You know, can or how's the corn doing? It's all over the sim, sim, symbolism in a restaurant, for example. If you walk down Albany Park and you walk down Lawrence Avenue, you will see monarch butterflies all over the restaurants. You'll see it at soccer stores. And so that knowledge is there, that ecological knowledge about the monarch butterfly is there. And maybe, and maybe they're not, you know, talking about you know, all the science research around it. But but ancestrally, you know, that when an abuelita is having a conversation with the youngest of the child, those st- stories and narratives are there. And so that's an example of some of the work that I that I do to really shift that, because I think that that's that's one way of thinking about environmental justice is the right for people to be able to connect with nature in their historical, cultural ways and practices. We're seeing a lot of that in the work that the indigenous community is fighting for. And I think that's it's, it's just a new way of shifting how we view the world and how we view communities. And if we do some of that, I think that that's going to be able to better help you know, the, the future of science. How do you try to ensure that immigrant communities are treated equitably when the ideas for dealing with climate change are being put forth? Because that seems to be another place where you have a sort of top-down approach on a lot of things, and it really needs to be everybody pulling together. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and you know, and, and that's so true with Albany Park and migration, climate displacement, all of that, you know, we're seeing, you know, 
catastrophes across the world. It's just something that is becoming more of a sense of urgency. But I also try to approach it with, with care and working with the community. It's, it's trauma for many, you know, moving to a whole nother country because of climate and climate disasters. And so what we are engaging in at North Park Village Nature Center is a project called co-creating with the community on, on a climate migrant environment. And so it's a thriving earth exchange project. It's a community science project. And the whole idea is for us to move slow as partners, community leaders, and scientists. We want to first, even before we get to the point of listening, we want to first check our assumptions about what is it that we think, you know, when we think about climate migrants. And also just kind of know that, you know, as scientists, we have an understanding of migration. We see it in whales, we see it in birds, monarch butterflies, for example, that I talked a little bit about earlier. And it, it is intersectional, you know, for those species, you know. And so, of course, it's intersectional for humans as well. Some people might not think that they, they migrated because of climate. And they could be like economic reasons, housing, education, a better life for my children, but it's all related to our environment. So we're really working on checking our own assumptions. It seems in some ways that your work would not would involve not just engaging and working with immigrant communities that are that are part of this North Park community center that you're involved in, but also like residents of Chicago as a whole. Like you're because I would imagine the idea is to try and expand these kinds of ideas outward. Does that make it more complicated when you are dealing with some of the, you know, fears people have about immigration and changing the way that they see the world? I think it is something that's com complex, you yeah. know, both the idea of climate change, environmental justice, immigration, all of those things are very complex. You know, when I talk about environmental justice, I mean, I think people start asking, like, what does an H-Center have to do with environmental justice? And, I, you know, I talk about, like, one, one of the first principles of environmental justice is that, you know, to promote the sacredness of Mother Earth. We all care about Mother Earth. All of us, we're all scientists and environmentalists. You know, we really, you know, appreciate, you know, whether it's nature or, you know, more closely with related to our science field and our work. But we all care about the earth. And that's the first principle. And, and to me, it's, it begins with, like, just adding some layers of, like, if we all care about the earth, then we all care about the earth and our choices and the people and the plants. And it's all connected and just trying to help people really see, you know, these issues in different ways. I could listen to Amaris talk about her work all day long. Yeah, ditto. And frankly, I'm just going to let her words speak for themselves. Uh, <laughs> so with that, uh, that is all from Third Pod from the Sun. Special thanks to Laura Krantz for conducting the interview and to you, Shane, for producing the episode. Audio engineering was by Colin Warren with artwork by Olivia Ambrosio. If you'd like to see video for at least part of this interview, head over to YouTube and search for AGU TV. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Please rate and review the podcast. And you can find new episodes in your favorite podcasting app or at thirdpodfromthesun.com. Thanks all, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye.